So, 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, from verse 3, and we are going to be looking at that. It's only going to be very short, we're only looking to verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. Now I'm going to be reading from the ESV, it'll be on the screen for you as well if you don't have a Bible. Let me read it for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word uh, and how complete it is, how perfect and um, yeah, how it reveals things to us that we need to know, things that give us a true understanding of reality. And we pray that you do that now again as we look at your word. Here is Peter the Apostle, who we just saw at the end of Luke, um, was one of the first people that went into that empty tomb. And we want to hear from him and hear from you through him as he is written, uh, yeah, inspired by your Holy Spirit, not just for people then, but for people uh, like us today as well. To speak to us, we pray, Lord. May we, in the end, do what he does, which is to bless you and to praise you and to rejoice in what you have done for us. Amen. Now, I think it's fair to say it's been a difficult few years, hasn't it? Uh, We moved uh, to Australia from South Africa, and we did it for an easier life. And for many, many years, it really was easy since we've arrived in 2008. But things change. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting old or we've got kids or something, but I think it's more to it than that. Life is hard. There's a worldwide pandemic. There's floods here and abroad, even in South Africa now, someone messaged me. Uh, Over east, there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. It's changed everything. And as I've been listening to the Polly's talk this week about the upcoming election, they, they know this. When you listen to them, they know this. They talk about struggling families, people struggling in aged care. They talk about uh, the rising cost of groceries and petrol and how that hurts our pockets. All the parties seem to promise, hey, hey, if we get in, we'll make life easier. Hey, we know it's hard, but we can help. And as I've been thinking about why life is so difficult, uh, I think it boils down to this. Suffering, difficulties, trials, struggles, whatever label you want to put on it, we experience them when things are taken away from us. Suffering, generally speaking, happens when we lose things. Um, And so, uh, think about it with me. So early in the pandemic... Um, Your freedom was taken from you to visit family, whether it was a lockdown or the fact that you couldn't go and visit people over east. And when you got COVID, your health was taken from you. During the lockdown, your job could have been taken from you, maybe even your whole business. 
Uh, in Ukraine, if you're there, your whole country might be taken away from you, your home, your loved ones. And what dawned on me as I was thinking about this is this is just life in this world. It's, uh, yeah, there's times when it seems to be uh, in a more intense level, but this is just what we experience all the time. Things are taken from us and it hurts. Ultimately, everything we put our hope in will be taken from us. You might, you might put your hope in a uni degree, you might even go the extra mile and do a master's and study for 20 years, but soon all of that will become out of date and you won't be employable anymore, at least if you do, unless you do lots of personal development stuff. Or you can put your hope in, in your body, how you look and how you feel, but inevitably your strength, your physique and your health will erode away with age. Or you can put your hope in building memories. Think about that. No one can take that from you. But you might get dementia and lose all of it. So, you know, even if we lock ourselves, just imagine if you could create your own country with a big mansion and lock yourself and everything that you hold precious in there so that no one can get to it and take it away from you. Well, death will come and take you away from it. Isn't it interesting? Wouldn't it be great to have something that no one can take away from you. Something that, that we can hope on, hoping that won't die on us. Something, unlike the recent fuel prices and groceries, that won't cost us an arm and a leg. Well, the good news of Easter Sunday is that God wants to give us an inheritance and a life that no one can take away from us. Because of Jesus' death on Good Friday, as we looked at, and his resurrection on Easter Sunday... Today, we can be assured of it. And it's a hope that won't die on us or decay or be defiled. It's, it's rock solid. It's a rock solid hope. And God, in his great mercy, wants to give it to us for free. You see, this, this is such a great truth. God is the only person in the universe that doesn't want to take everything from you. But he wants to give you everything. He's a giver. He's not a taker. So, as we head into this passage, there's only two things that I want us to see. The first thing is this. God wants to give us a family fortune. Now, what's key here is the God that we're talking about. Uh, Maybe um, you're new here this morning. Maybe you don't know anything about Christianity and you're investigating it. That's great that you're here with us this morning. Uh, But what God are we talking about here? You know, there's some atheists in the world who believe that there is no such a thing as a God. And this is not just me. If you look at the numbers, they're in a very, very small minority. Most people actually believe there is a God. There is something or someone bigger than them, something that transcends them. But they don't know much about this God. And often as you talk to them about this God that they know, they're made up in their own image and likeness because I just don't know him. So what, God, are we talking about? Well, look at verse 3 with me. Keep your Bibles open. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the God we're talking about is the God that Jesus says is God and revealed to us as God. And you know what? Jesus didn't get it wrong. Uh, like, uh, unlike many religious leaders or founders, they could get it wrong. But Jesus can't get him wrong. Why not? Well, because this God is his father. 
He has had an intimate relationship with God as his divine son from before the creation of the world, from before the existence of time. And this is the God that Jesus comes down and he he reveals him to us. And he says, this is the true God. This God and Father of Jesus Christ wants to give you and me a share in his family fortune or, or his inheritance as it's called there in our passage. Have a look there at verse 4 with me. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You see, God has an inheritance that he wants to share with us. And and if you're anything like me, the first question is, what's the inheritance? Because, you know, if it's big, you go, okay, I'll I'll be in. And if it's small, you go, maybe not. But the interesting thing is, Peter doesn't explain that. There are other parts of the Bible that does tell us and deal with it, but we don't have time to go into it. Peter instead tells us of what, instead of telling us what the inheritance is, he tells us what the inheritance is not. Did you notice that? Did you notice all the negations in the words that he uses to explain the inheritance? It is imperishable, so it's not perishable. Secondly, it's undefiled, so it's pure and it cannot be defiled. Thirdly, it's unfading, so it does not fade or deteriorate. Peter has to explain the inheritance to us by telling us what it is not, because we simply don't have categories for what it is. It's, it's so hard to get our heads around this, because we, we know no other way than things being destroyed and defiled uh, and decaying. But, let, let's try and wrap our heads around this. Let's try and understand God's inheritance by comparing it to our world, as Peter does. So, so firstly, God's inheritance is imperishable, unlike our earthly inheritance. Think, think of a little child. Imagine a little child. He grows up, uh, and, and they've got a family business. After school, every day, that's where they go. They'll be sitting around the business, uh, doing their homework, and, and more often than not, they get dragged into all the work. They maybe start serving customers. Uh, on the weekends especially, they, they, they're there, they're helping, they're cleaning up. Uh, their life kind of evolves around this business as, as, as it is a family business. And one day, his father says to him, you know, one day this business will be yours. You can work here, you can be trained here, and one day you can run this business as your very own. Wow. Just imagine that, how, how, how amazing that must have been for a child to hear dad saying, hey, I've spent everything I've got to secure a future for you, this family business, and I want you to keep going in it. And so this, this little kid pours their life into this business for the next 20 years, and they eventually inherit the business. But will you believe it, shortly after this thing called COVID hits, and they have to lock the business down, And ultimately, they lose it. And just like that, someone's inheritance can be destroyed. But that can't happen with our earthly inheritance. It's imperishable. It's indestructible. Nothing can take it away. It can't be taken away from us by any destruction. It's so good, isn't it? And secondly, God's inheritance is also undefiled. So it can't be ruined or taken from us through sin and evil. 
Now, you've probably heard that families can get pretty nasty with each other when it comes to, uh, yeah, sharing the inheritance. And uh, even though I haven't witnessed it in our family, it's happened, and, and I've seen the consequences of it. So my grandma in South Africa, she lives in this tiny little town, and um, you know, if, you, if you're not careful, you can miss the whole thing. And she has absolutely nothing there, just some clothes. She's looked after by someone else, and um, yeah, she's got nothing. We, in fact, all she gets is a government pension, which is not enough. And so from the very moment that we arrived here, we've been supporting her. I remember when I first started working, and I was the, only the second person in my family that got a job, I'd often take some of our money and pay the bills, and the rest of it would go to grandma. I wouldn't end up with anything that we've got, just trying to help her. And her sister, on the other hand, lives in this huge city in a huge mansion. And the story goes that as the one sister was looking after uh, my great-grandmother before she died, she managed to get her to change her will and sign off on it. And so when she passed away, my poor granny didn't get a cent. And her sister got everything. Isn't that so sad? Evil and sin can spoil our inheritance, and it's quite common. Unless, of course, you share in God's inheritance. No evil or sin or wrong or hate or revenge can ever take that from you. Not even Putin's tanks or army. No evil. That's the second thing. The thirdly, God's inheritance, lastly, is also unfading. It's unfading. When we, when we were looking to buy a house a couple of years ago, there was actually a house in the street that we're living at now. And we went and looked at it, uh, and it was a big, beautiful house. We thought, whoa, this place has got some potential, but it needs a lot of work. And as we started talking to the agent, the agent told us that the couple that lived there had recently passed away, and um, their son had inherited their house. Um, but since they moved in there, and they, they built it brand new about 50 years ago, um, they hadn't touched the place. And that was very obvious uh, when we moved in, uh, or when we looked at it. And so the son that's now inherited this place doesn't want it anymore. And you can imagine 50 years ago, a mom and a dad walking into this house with their little son, and it is just shining. It's, it's, everything's brand new. And maybe even they said to him, hey, you know, you can imagine the dad getting down on one knee. Hey, do you like this? How good is it? You know, that one day this place is going to be yours. And you just imagine the child going, oh, sounds too good. It's amazing. Look at it. And 50 years later, when they inherit it, and it's faded, it's withered away, it's decayed, they don't want it. Just get rid of it. Sell it for me, please. Whatever I can get. Isn't it crazy? Time takes our inheritance through decay. Now, do you see how fickle and and fragile and fleeting life is here? We can have everything taken from us any moment. But what God wants to give us cannot. It's, it's imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's unfading. And, and did you notice God is keeping it for us in heaven? So if anything is going to happen to God's inheritance, well, they have to get through him first. And there's no chance of that happening. No one is touching or taking that inheritance. 
So God wants to give us this family fortune. So how do we receive it? This, this inheritance that God wants to give us, how do we receive it? Well, how do you normally share in an inheritance? You, you have to be born into a family, don't you? Uh, inheritances is a family business. That's where, why they're often called a family fortune. And you can only share in them as a family member. Just imagine the chaos. If it wasn't like that, everyone would want to be somehow connected with Bill Gates or someone like that. But the good news of Easter Sunday is that God can and he wants to give us new birth into his family. And so then we can receive this wonderful, we can receive this wonderful gift. Um, not only because Jesus rose from the dead, because, but through Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And that, that's the second thing I want us to see. So God wants to give us a new family life. Have a look there at the second half of verse 3 with me, starting with according to. Peter says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, do you see, God causes us to be born again to a living hope and to an inheritance, his inheritance that's indestructible, undefilable, and undecayable. And as we're born again with God as our Father into His family, we can share in this inheritance. And this, this new life is it's filled with hope. Hope that doesn't die on us or let us down. Um, it's, it's a new life with living hope. Uh, did you see um, how it is that God makes this happen? And why it is that we're talking about it on Resurrection Sunday? It's that he causes us to be born again into this new heavenly family through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I want us to think about that a little bit. Uh, What does it mean that God does this through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Because I think that'll show us why Easter Sunday is so important. So you ready? I think firstly, we can be born into this uh, living hope because Jesus... Our only hope is alive. He's not dead. You see, everything we hope for in this world ultimately decays or it's destroyed or defiled. That's why earthly hopes always, always, inevitably leave us deflated and, um, yeah, disappointed. Instead of filling us with life and strength and joy and hope, ultimately that's where they go. Now, I know that some of these things we're hoping, they do give us joy for a little while. And they they do last for a little while. Even think about the Eagles. They win a premiership every 10 or 12 years, you know, so kind of pays off every now and again. But the nine or 10 other years, oh gosh, it's painful. It's disappointing. You keep hoping, oh no, this is the year. This is the year. And it doesn't really work out. It's not even guaranteed that each year will be a good year. All earthly hopes are like that. You keep opening in them, and sometimes they pay off and it's great, and you've got lots of joy, but it fades pretty quickly, and the rest of the time you're just barely hanging on and you're pretty disappointed. But not Jesus. He's not a dead hope, but a living hope because he rose from the dead and he's alive. And because everything we hope for as Christians uh, is tied to Jesus and found in him, we have a living hope that won't die on us. 
and that we won't be let down, and certainly evil cannot destroy it. It can't destroy him. They tried at the cross. And here he is, risen again. He is our living hope. Secondly, it is through Jesus' resurrection that we can share in the inheritance. You see, Jesus, as God's one and only Son, is the heir, the rightful heir of God's inheritance. He's the rightful and only owner of the family fortune. And the only way we can share in this main inheritance is if we can somehow be included in it through Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the show Bridgerton on Netflix. Beck and I have been watching it a bit. Uh, it's set in the early 1800s and it's very girly. Uh, most of it's about pretty dresses and um, dating and you know, all the latest goss. Uh, But anyway, it's pretty much the only show that Beck and I have managed to agree on and watch together. So we've been watching that. There's a family there, and and they only had girls. And and the dad passes away, and um, it's it's interesting that they're in this huge house. They've got lots of money. This is just the the rich of the rich uh, that's part of this show. And, and, And all of a sudden, they don't have anything. The house that they're living is not theirs. Uh, they can't access the finances. They, it's like they, they might as well almost just be living on the street. And, and, and so the whole inheritance needs to go to the heir, the, the kind of first male relative. And, and it's only once he kind of comes back and they attach themselves to him that they have access again to, to all, oh, now we can hold parties again and as long as it's all kind of in agreement with this heir. All of a sudden, they have access to everything again through the air. And it's the same with God's inheritance. It's only by uniting ourselves to Jesus, the rightful heir, that we can share in it. If he remained dead, well, then there'd be no hope of us sharing in God's inheritance. But he's risen to life again. And he's taken his place at the Father's right hand and he's inherited everything. And everyone who unites themselves to him through faith and obedience, well, we can share in the, God's inheritance. And he blesses us with a share in the inheritance. So that's the second thing of how we see how God gives us this inheritance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thirdly and lastly, it's through Jesus' resurrection that we know that there is another world. I mean, because this whole inheritance is kept in heaven for us and we promise that we're going to get it when Jesus comes back, but how do you even know there is another world? This place called heaven. This inheritance that we will enjoy is, is, is part of, uh, of the new creation. And, and, and we know it's coming because Jesus has risen from the dead. And he is the first fruits of the new creation. Uh, Beck and I have recently, um, we're trying our hand at, at doing veggie stuff, okay? So I've built these veggie boxes um, it's hard work with kids, eh? Jeepers. You'd think you'd kind of knock it up in a day or so, and it's taken us about two months because they want to drill everything with you, and then your tools disappear and everything. But anyway, that's another story. So we've got these veggie boxes, and um, don't ask me anything about it, really. Beck's doing most of it. One thing I do know, though, is I can tell, I could tell you when she's done a good job or not. So when I f- saw the first little cucumber, baby cucumber appearing, I saw the first little tomato, and I saw the first little, um, what else did we have in there, eggplant. I knew, oh, Beck's done a good job, because I'm, she does all this stuff when I'm at work. I knew when I saw those first fruits that the rest of the crop is coming in. 
And Beck has done a great job. She's nailed it. Now, in the same way, Jesus' resurrection is the first fruit of the new creation. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15. Because he has risen and he has uh, to new life in a new way, we can be assured that there is a new life that's radically different to what we know, and it's coming. This new creation, the, the new heavens and earth, where we will fully share in our, in our family new life, in our family inheritance, it's coming. And we can be assured of that because Jesus rose from the dead. God wants to give us a new family life through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So how do we respond to these things today? God wants to give us uh, a, a, a share in the family fortune and he wants to give us a new family life. What do we do with it? Well, there's two things, receive and rejoice. If you're here today and you haven't received this new life that God wants to give you and, and a share in the family fortune, well, simply receive it. You don't have to, as, as Katie was saying with the kids' talk, you don't have to do anything to earn it. You simply take a hold of it by trusting in Jesus. Look what it says there at the beginning of our passage again. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. You see, it's according to God's great mercy that you can be born into his family and partake in his family fortune. It's not according to your, well, whatever, according to your income. It's not according to your looks or your power and your position or or your church attendance and your prayers. It's not according to that that you are born again. It's because of his great mercy. Nothing you do can earn that. And also, nothing you did not do can disqualify you. So the flip side of that, it's not because of your many sins. It's not because of maybe the destructive life that you've lived. It's not because of all the disappointments in the past that you're excluded from receiving this wonderful gift. It's because of God's great mercy that you can partake in it. He's undeserved favor towards you. And the way you take hold of this great mercy is by taking hold of the message of Good Friday. The message of Jesus, as we saw, the righteous one who died in your place as the unrighteous. How he swapped places with us, remember? Trust in that work of Jesus in your place and God showers you with his great mercy. Like imagine standing under the huge waterfall that is just flooding and pouring out on you. That's the great mercy that God wants to pour out on you. Then God will not only give you forgiveness, but he will give you a new family life, bring you into the family inheritance. It's great. And all you have to do is receive it. It's very simple. And if it's something that you're exploring or maybe something you want to do, please come and talk to me. We'd love to hear from you. But if you've already received this, well, if you've already received God's great mercy, rejoice. Rejoice in your new family life as part of God's new family and and in the inheritance that no one can take away from you, that nothing can destroy, it cannot be defiled, it cannot uh, decay. That's where our passage finishes, doesn't it? Look there at verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We rejoice in this, even in our trials, because they cannot 
take this away from us. COVID can't take this away from us. A dementia can't take this away from us. Uh, death can't even take this away from us. Not even cancer. I'll finish like this. I, I sat down with a couple from our church on Thursday, and um, she's just been diagnosed with a second lot of cancer, and it seems bad. It seems really bad. It's, it's in her bones, and it's like near her spine. One point they had to take liquid off her lungs, which I thought, oh, no, this sounds bad. And as I was sitting with them, I, I said to her, man, I'm just blown away at your smile. She just keeps smiling like the whole time. You, I said to her, you seem so joyful. You, you're in good spirits. And um, yeah, you, you just can't seem to wipe the smile of your face. And you know what? It's, it's because she can rejoice because she's got this inheritance, this new family life that can't be taken away from her. Uh, you know, and, and we can have the same. We can rejoice too because we know our lives are part of a new creation that can't be taken away from us. Neither um, can our heavenly inheritance, all because of God's great mercy to us. It's not because of anything we've done. It's because our heavenly Father rose Jesus from the dead. No wonder Peter starts this section before he even explains any of this, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To rejoice in what he's given for you, what he's done for you, and praise him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your resurrection from the dead, that that grave is empty, and and no one has been able to prove otherwise. Thank you that it does so much for us, that through that we too can die to ourselves and have brand new lives even now. And we know that when life finally is taken from us, we will continue in the new creation with you. Uh, That is just wonderful. Help us to reflect on this. Help us to, uh, to kind of just let this sink in uh, in a way maybe that it hasn't before. Would you please lead us in this, that we might rejoice in you, that we might praise you, and that this would not just be a great day, but just a great week and a great life, as as nothing can take this away from us. Especially, Lord, in the midst of what's going on in our world, may we be a people that that others look onto and go, wow, what is the hope, what is the joy that you've got, as it later says in Peter, and help us to share that hope that we've got even in trials and suffering. Be with us, Lord, and um, yeah, may we continue to rejoice in this, and blessed be your name.